U.S. Open. We're going to go straight into the U.S. Open talk because it's a major. And, yeah, of course, you know, there were some things about the uh, Safeway that we wanted to chat about. And, of course, the DFS review. But we're going to move past that, go right into U.S. US Open talk. If you do want to follow along with what some of your favorite pros did last week, check out the uh, article that I'm going to put out this afternoon, that O'Chronicle all of what your favorite pros did last week. Actually, all of them had a lineup in the top 110. So an interesting week to go out and see, um, especially with a lot of the chalk missing, Jeff, last week. Uh, yeah. Good to see some of the pros have some high finishes. Alex up there came in 16th. Petty Theft also up there in the top 25. So I'll, I'll chronicle that in an article afterwards. But let's jump right in and talk about the U.S. Open. Okay. We've got six golfers above 10,000 on DraftKings this week. And of course, uh, a full field of betting, 144 players. So let's talk about Wingfoot, where it's going to be played. Last time it was played there, 2006, the winning score was plus five. Jeff Ogilvie was the winner there. Phil Mickelson's blunder. I wanted to say a few words about Phil Mickelson's blunder, and then I'll go into a couple of stats on the course that I found. Yeah, so, um, I mean, Mickelson at um, – sorry, I was just making sure we were back up. But, yeah, I mean, okay, so – we're talking Mickelson at Wingfoot, right? That's that's where we're. Yes. Yep. I mean, his. I have I've seen that sequence so many times now in my life, and I mean, it's really incredible. Like, I mean, it's not just because it doesn't just involve Phil. Like, you have to involve like four or five other players. Furyk had a five minute, uh, a five foot par putt that would have got him into the um, the uh, the playoff. Uh, Montgomery made double bogey from the fairway. Jeff Ogilvy chipped, Jeff Ogilvy chipped in for par at the 17th to get, to get himself into the clubhouse. So, I mean, Mickelson obviously taking driver off the tee. Um, I think his real mistake was probably going for the green on the second shot where he clipped the tree, came down. If he chips back into the fairway, you know, he maybe he doesn't make par, but, uh, you know, a pretty easy bogey from there, probably just got to find the green. So, I mean, uh, Mickelson's blunder at Wingfoot is, it's not Vandevelt-esque, but, uh, you know, it, it's right up there. The, the thing I, but the thing I always say is, you know, you have to include other people in it because it, like, I think Colin Montgomery's mistake was was probably worse in that spot, and uh, Ogilvy obviously had like the the career chip in there. So, um, just a just a crazy, crazy sequence of events. The last time we played Wingfoot, and I think that is, I think it's very, inter- I think it, it's a very good moniker of what to expect this week at Wingfoot. Expect crazy stuff to happen because this course is so hard in so many different ways. The rough, um, the fairways, skinny fairways, and then the greens here are—I mean, they're, they're like Augusta on steroids. I think just from having looked at them and from having read, so it's going to be crazy. Uh, I think you're going to see lots of lots of uh, crazy stuff happen again. So, yeah, I mean, par 70, 7,500 yards. So I guess in a, in a way, the par seventy is similar to Harding Park, but it's three hundred yards longer. And also, we have some history on how hard it really has become. So I'll give you a couple of stats that I found from the 2006 tournament, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt or don't. Maybe it is somewhat attributable. Now, again, we've had four U.S. Opens played here at Wingfoot. But again, it was redesigned in 2013 through 15 by Gil Hans, who, in my opinion, might be the best golf architect. Uh, architect? Yeah, that. there we go. That was a little better. Um, architect out there in the world. And it was a Tillinghast original design. So you've got two of maybe the best of all time. Certainly, Hans of our generation and Tillinghast of the generation before us. Uh, just a great course. 50% of the fairways. And because of the long rough, we got three and a half inches on the first cut. 
And then it goes up to five inches, just six feet wide. So two yards wide, you're going to go from three and a half to five and a half. I mean, just incredible. You will lose some golf balls in that rough this week. That's going to make about 50% of the greens being hit. Yep. And then it doesn't stop there, though, Jeff, right? When you get around the greens, some of the rough around there looks like it's like six or seven inches long. I mean, it's going to be really difficult, which is going to lead to an over par cut. It was 10 over par in 2006. Yep. Can you can you think it's going to get to 10 over par this, this year? I can't imagine it will, right? I, I don't know, man. I, I really, really, like, I, I don't think that we're being, like, you know, building it up to, to – to be something that's not here. I really think this is going to play ridiculous. Um, you know, again, from everything I've read, like you said, um, obviously we've already seen the pictures of, of the, the rough here, but you look back, uh, you know, this, this golf course has gotten beefed up. Like you said, from the re the, the reconstructions and stuff like this, this isn't the same golf course from 2006. It's longer. It's harder. I mean, th there's literally one. Okay. They do have a, a drivable par four. It's also got the skinniest fairway on the course and a skinny little green, like this is no means a birdie hole. I mean, I could see the drivable par four playing over par for the week. And then you have one reachable par five. The other par five is probably going to play over par. Like I, I am almost hundred percent positive that the 630 yard par five will play over par. It's a severe dog leg, I think to the left. Um, and again, 630 yards, like you just have to get in good position just to be able to make a good layup like on that hole. So I don't know where, where these guys are going to make birdies. Um, I'm expecting a well over par. Like if it's not plus 10, it'll be approaching plus 10. And then Jason, it's cooling off on Friday. Like the temperature is going from like high seventies to like low sixties for the highs. Is that like that? I mean, that's, that's brutal. Like it, I, I hate playing golf when it's cold. And uh, I mean, yeah, these guys are pros, but they're going to lose some distance as well. It's going to be rough, man. Like it is going to be, I think you're going to see like a plus five, plus six winning score again. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the players probably aren't. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and just to go on and mention the par, uh, the 600 yard par five, granted there's, there's some people that will be able to reach it, but uh, in terms of how it played at Harding park uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a 607 yarder. There was a good amount of birdies there. Um, not a lot of Eagles though. So Maybe average yeah. about 40 birdies around somewhere in that range, um, depending on. The and I mean, but this, that, that's one other thing about Wingfoot is like, it's not as straightforward as TPC Bark. There's more dog legs. There's a lot more dog legs on the routing. So it's going to make, uh, it's going to make, I think birdies just, again, it's just like every hole just looks hard. So. Yeah, it sure does. And, and it'll be interesting too, I think on a, on a different perspective on what the ratings are going to be like, how many people turn in. And now we still got plenty of money to play for on the DFS sites, of course, but with NFL back, we take a little bit of a backseat than it normally does. So if you're here joining us for the golf, we certainly appreciate it. But if you want to get in on the NFL action, we've got a great uh, little promo going on for you it's called the nfl redstone where you're going to get 50% off your weekly nfl pass so sign up today for an awesome plus nfl weekly pass for 50% off when you use promo code redzone at checkout that is all capitals that's 750 a week for awesome plus nfl this gives you access to all of awesome's leading player projections ownership projections top stacks and more nfl dfs and i can tell you that our producer behind the glass in a single entry contest used all of these tools to come in third place, a nice $10,000 score for Nolan Kelly there. So yep. definitely come in and join us on the Osmo Plus side today. And Jeff, we've got even you joining in on some of the content, right? Yeah, absolutely. For NFL, I mean, do a strategy show on Saturday. You can check catch us out on the Osmo YouTube channel. 
can check out uh, the From the Slot article. I highlight some of uh, Alex's top plays from his, his model and stuff like that. You know, it's a free article. Obviously, it can give you a taste of what's available on the site. But definitely recommend checking out all the site's tools. Uh, lots of flash deals coming up and stuff. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out after the video. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go on and talk about maybe some of the golfers that will help you win the million dollars on DraftKings this week for golf. It's $100 buy-in, which, you know, maybe a little bit rich for some people's taste. But, hey, there's only 23,000 entries in there. So that's about a quarter of the entries it takes for the $20 millionaire maker. Uh, and, of course, we've got our first clicks and bets uh, coming up as well. So, uh, Jeff, uh, let's start off with some of our bets. In the U.S. Open, 144 players, maybe a couple of people we have never heard of before. Who did you gravitate to? And, of course, maybe tell us if you had anybody prior going into it, you know, maybe some futures bets. So, I mean, my, I, I did have one futures bet and one main futures bet, and that was on Patrick Reed. Um, okay. And I've been targeting Patrick Reed for this event for a bit. Uh, a couple things. He's just a really good East Coast player. He won at Liberty National last year. He's won at Beth Page Black in the playoffs. Uh, another Tilling House design, or at least he was like part of the design of Beth Page Black. So um, there's some synergy there. And uh, you know, I just I look at this course again. You know, it, it's it's going to be it, it's going to be rough for everyone. And I just think of a guy like Patrick Reed. It's going to be a seventh U.S. Open or sixth or seventh. You know, he he's made the cut in all of them. He's got multiple top 15s. T4 Shinnecock. Great putter. I, if there's anyone who can handle fast greens, it, it's Patrick Reed. So um, I, I absolutely love him for this setup. You know, um, obviously the ball striking with Patrick Reed can come and go, but off the tee, it's actually been really, really good lately, Jason. Led the led in strokes game off the tee at the Tour Championship. So I added to him here. You know, some of the books I use have, have like taught each ways to like top eight or nine this week. So I hammered him again uh, this morning. Um, uh, the other dude I, I, I did bet, you know, I, I'm kind of struggling. There's another player in that range, but I did bet Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, that was kind of my first other bet coming off a good finish in, at PGA, uh, uh, not PGA at, uh, in Portugal last week, he went over and got some more, more competition closed with the seven under par there. Um, the ball striking with, with Tommy just needs to come back a little bit. He seemed very confident after playing there, the, the putting and, and scrambling and stuff, um, has, has been great. So, um, yeah, I, I had to bet Tommy as well. He's a great U.S. Open player. Yeah, and it, Tommy Fleetwood, really interesting. 500 to 1 going into the weekend in some sites. And, if, of course, if you use Odds Shopper there on the background, if you are a golf better, take a look at those odds all throughout. He was 500 to 1 going into the weekend. Now, granted, like I said, he didn't win, but he ended up coming in a tie for third. And if your yeah. book offers, which Odds Shopper can show you, any top five or top tens, those would have been huge payouts. So I guess that means that him coming in at 40 to one and having that good weekend, is that what drew you back in or were you targeting him even before that flash of form, uh, flash of form, excuse me, look at me combining those words, flash of form going into the weekend, uh, going into the weekend here at the uh, at, uh, US Open? <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure if I would have bet him if he hadn't played. I, I, I think it's, it's very self-aware of him, though, which I really like. I mean, I think he knew that his ball striking wasn't consistent enough. And, and and you know, he had a little break. And he's like, I got to get in more competition. And, and you know, I, I you read, read the interviews with him. I mean, um, he was working on some things, you know. And his the, the, the thing I really liked, and this is kind of what sold me on him, is he went to Portugal to work on things for the U.S. Open. He didn't go to Portugal to win. Nope. He was playing every shot, like just working on stuff for the U.S. Open. It obviously really worked out well too. So 
I love it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Molinari playing in a little weaker field event before he won the, the open championship. That's kind of what, what drifted back into my mind. So um, I, I absolutely love the lead up. Um, we'll see if it mounts to anything, but um, yeah, um, that, that was kind of, that is kind of what uh, sold me on Tommy this week. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a, a, a great call, especially the fact that um, he knew everything was really bad and it looked bad, right? I mean, not going to lie. His putting was saving him through the couple of weeks, but yeah, honestly. I mean, uh, and, and look, he he put up some big rounds. Like he put up a 64 at the PGA. So we have a player still scoring, but not playing anywhere near the height of their ability. Like that, that's pretty interesting to me, especially when now that he's worked on his weaknesses. So anyways, yeah, definitely in on Fleetwood this week. Yeah, a couple more uh, top 20 bets or first clicks for me. This guy, Rashford Sojgaard, let's talk about him for a couple of minutes. He's coming in at 550 to one on a top 20. Now, this is going to be his first major. He's 19 years old, but man, he's been almost unstoppable on the European tour since coming back. I win three or four other top tens. What do you make of this guy? Is it a little too soon to play him in a, in a tournament as hard as the US Open is going to be? Or do we just throw that out because he's playing so good? Yeah, there's a lot of people who are, who are going to be. I'm interested to see the ownership on him, man. Everyone's excited about this dude. Yeah, you know, Ben was uh, Ben was like, he's like, oh, I never play a Scotch except for Rasmus when when he comes over on the show yesterday. I'm playing him, so I mean, if Ben's in, you know, you, I mean, you know that uh, he's going to garner a little bit of ownership. So I don't know. I mean, I, I look, I, I'm not discounting the talent. I, I am with everyone on this dude. I mean, obviously, just smoking uh, the Euro Tour start after start. I mean, um, it's all there, but, you know, it's still a young player. I mean, this is, it, it's such a big difference to come from the, the Euro Tour uh, circuit over to, to what is basically going to be like the toughest course the PGA players are going to see all season. You know, 6,800, um, I, I think from a top 20 perspective bet, that's absolutely fine. I mean, um, you, you know, the price range uh, sounds about good. You could you probably even find a bigger than that maybe. Again, go to Odd Shopper. Uh, on, on the Osmo site, it definitely like a good, good tool to use for stuff like that. So, but uh, you know, for me, DraftKings wise, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't made a decision yet. I, I, I tend to lean toward, like away from these guys at U S opens. I feel like U S opens and majors, especially U S opens where, you know, it, it's just getting your guy across the, the, the cut, getting into finishing position is so important. I, I tend to lean with the veteran players, uh, guys coming in with like really solid form who, who have played the U.S. Opens before. Not younger players. Yeah, he's in good form, but hasn't seen a U.S. Open setup. I think experience is so important in that uh, in these kind of uh, events. So I'll probably lean away from him on DK. You know, maybe maybe I'll look for him for a bet or two, but I think he's probably better just as a pure, you know, betting upside than a DraftKings play. Yeah, a couple of other names that I think stuck out to me a little bit in terms of the odds. Well, first, maybe just a, a observation, Xander Schauffele using odd shopper is looks like he's almost the exact same price and maybe even a few books cheaper than Rory McIlroy or uh, maybe that's not the right exact term there to use, but 16 to one on some McIlroy 18 to one. Get your comment on that. Plus Bryson DeChambeau 28 to one. He has flown away. I mean, I know the form is out of out of touch since his crazy run after the restart. Then Matthew Wolf 80 to one. Uh, in some places, maybe even a little higher. I'm seeing in a, in a couple of other ones as well. Just had a top 10 and almost gave himself a chance to win at the PGA. So three kind of things I'm giving you there to talk about. Last thing I'll say about Wolf before I turn it over to you, Harding Park was an easier course. Do you think that is why we saw Wolf have a chance to win and maybe this course 
toughness will get to the young kid, uh, or does he have just as good a chance to play well here as he did uh, at the PGA Championship? I mean, look, if he drives the ball and, and gains like a million strokes on approach, he's going to have a chance here. I mean, everyone is going to have trouble around the greens, right? So there's some merit to it. I mean, that price is definitely really, really interesting. Um, I, again, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to go there. I mean, I, I just picture I, I, I maybe I'm giving too much respect to these greens now, but and they are going to be tough for everyone. But, um, you know, Matthew Wolf, not the greatest putter. I, and, and definitely not solid around the greens. I mean, I just feel like he, there's probably going to be a, a few too many strokes leaked uh, in that regard, even if he's striking the ball amazingly. So I think the price is fine, though. Like, I mean, even if I'm not sold on him, I mean, I, I think that the potential is there. And really, when you look at that range, I mean, you, you know, other than taking a shot on, on maybe like a veteran player, he still probably has the best upside. So um, I might not I might not dip into it. I definitely think he's he's. He's a good, solid DraftKings play, though. You know, we've, we've seen Matthew Wolf. He's got the, the major under his belt. The major, like, com- competing in a major is what I mean, obviously not winning it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on him from that regard. I think I like him more of a DraftKings play than an outright. The, the, the Rory uh, Xander thing is really crazy. I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know, maybe it's not crazy, but this, this Xander narrative that, like, he is just going to win something soon and everyone is betting him. And his, his odds just get shorter and shorter every Great event. Time. Every event. Like, he's 1,400 now, man. Like, I I like Xander. He's a great player. I love guys who just come and bring it in every majors. He's so consistent. There's no freaking way I'm betting Xander Shoffley at plus 1,400 now. I mean, um, that is insane. Like, um, you know, Rory McIlroy, he's he's barely bigger than John Rahm. I mean, I'll, I'll just go up to plus 1,000 or whatever I can get John Rahm at. So, uh there's just no value left in that line and maybe he does win this week and i guess if you're like a real real believer in him taking that line is fine but uh, i just feel like there's no value left in it i don't i don't know if i if i want to bet rory but i i definitely wouldn't say that you're making a mistake taking advantage of a, a line like that on rory you know obviously coming in with the new kid he looked pretty good at the tour championship uh seems like you know a little bit of that weight uh is off looked like he was uh he was kind of nervous before you know what was going on so I don't mind it. Um, Bryson's probably the most interesting of these three. You know, he's back to 28 to one. Um, you know, the length is going to be a factor. It's just, yeah, he, he's just been so inconsistent iron play. And, and I think that the thing that worries me more is he's been inconsistent with irons and then you, you have to scramble so much here. So yeah, probably just someone to leave off, but uh, you know, from an odds perspective, yeah. Getting back on him here. I can see it. Um, Almost 30 to one in some places. Yeah. You got to think, and so uh, we just saw him, you know, at the Rocket Mortgage, be like four to one. Now, granted, it's not the Rocket Mortgage by any stretch of field or anything like that, but still, um, it just seems like a far stretch. Another far stretch, thirty-five to one. Patrick Cantlay certainly drifted. But going back to Xander Schauffele, just quickly, when I when I compare him to Tony Finau in in majors, I feel like Tony Finau has outperformed Schauffele in majors as a whole. Granted, Xander's been there, just maybe not quite as much as Tony, and yet you're getting almost three times better odds. For yep. Finau than you are on on JT, so it's a good comparable. I think I think Finau and Fleetwood are both good comparables to Xander. Yep. Both have a, this, have shown similar upside, and they're like triple the price this week. So again, nothing against Xander. Just uh, he seems to get like all the love, and uh, the other two guys just get written off. Yeah, that's that's for sure. So all right, let's move down the list. A um, couple of other uh, bets, maybe that were a little higher or any top twenty values. I already kind of mentioned uh, one of mine. The other one I want to give a minute to here before we go into our DraftKings talk is Brandon Wu. 
And Brandon Wu is a guy that came out of college maybe a little bit later than the three stars or, you know, thought we were going to be four with Justin Sue, but he's basically disappeared. The three stars, Maureen Cowalt, Wolf, and, uh, of course, Hovland. He was in their same wavelength. He beat these kids in college quite a bit, but he stayed on. He went to the Walker Cup instead of playing pro. He then turned pro uh, and kind of struggled a little bit, but he got into the Corn Ferry, got some status there, and ended up winning the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, part of their postseason, which then got him an invite into this tournament where he's grown up on the course. Grew up 10 minutes from the course. I guess he played it quite a bit. Um, he said he's thrilled to do it. He did make the cut at the U.S. Open last year. Um, came in 35th at Pebble Beach. So if you can get a make the cut bet on Brandon Wu or something like that, does, yeah. or maybe even on drafting 6,600, would you pay 6,600 for Brandon Wu versus 6,100 for JT Boston this week? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, Brandon Wu has way more upside in, in this event, in my opinion, than like JT Boston. Um, I, I like it. This is more my style in terms of, of the young player we're talking about. Yep. Uh, I like the fact, cool. you know, he's, he's played, uh, he's played a few tougher courses. Uh, again, nothing against like Rasmus coming in. It's just, um, I feel like the, the change is just more drastic for those guys. And the competition is a little more drastic. You mentioned him, like who he's played against in college. Um, I really like it. I actually really like him as a play down there. Um, I, I actually feel stupid for missing out on his, his Corn Ferry tour win too. Uh, I knew he was playing down there and he, he started to come up a bit of form. So sometimes you just gotta, you know, with a lot of these guys, you just gotta, you just gotta trust their pedigree, man. Like they, they win, they win when they're younger, they compete really well and they'll go through dry spells. But Brandon Wu, like you mentioned, I mean, he could easily be up on the PJ tour right now. And I think he's going to be soon. So you know, in a lot of ways, it's like buying low on, I don't want to say Colin Morikawa, because obviously Colin Morikawa has put himself in a different class. But, you know, a guy like Wolf or something, sure. Absolutely, man. So uh, I like it. You, you brought up good points about the course and stuff like that. Um, and, and then the fact that he's already played in the U.S. Open. Yeah, this uh, down here, I mean, in, in the 6600 range, um, you know, we'll talk about the players, more players uh, later on. But um Upside wise, I really like it. I mean, other than like going down to like Bazaden Hote or, or maybe Justin Harding, a couple guys I like from uh, across the seas, that uh, I'll, I'll mix in some Brandon Blue this week. And I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, it just kind of shocks me when I go into the odds and it's like, it, it, and I scroll down and I see Mark Leishman at the same odds as, as Brandon Wood won a golf yeah. tournament. It just kind of shows you how far Mark Leishman has fallen. All right, let's shift our focus over to DraftKings for a little while. I mentioned very briefly that we've got six golfers above 10,000 this week or at 10,000 or above. Colin Morikawa slides in as the reigning major champion defending. Then we got Dustin Johnson at 11-5. So you see DraftKings get a little bit more aggressive saying that, hey, listen, we don't need to fill a $3 million, a $3 million $20 buy-in. We just have to fill the $100 buy-in, which it's already over 10% full, and we're at Monday at 230, 240 right now. So I would see that have no problem filling. Maybe that's why maybe they were a little bit tighter on pricing. That was the first thing that I thought of, though. Seeing DJ at 11.5, seeing Rom at uh, 11, and then four more golfers above 10K. Do uh, you get the similar sense, Jeff? Yeah, I like it. I mean, we got like tighter, tougher pricing for a, a tighter, tougher major, man. Let's, this is great. Yep. Um, you know, um, the, the distance between Rom and, and DJ isn't too much. Um, easily could have just priced up DJ and left Rom like out there as just like way too good of value and bumped up ownership on him, but now they're close. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to make a decision there. And, um, you know, uh, other players, you know, I mentioned Shoffley's, um popularity. I mean, the, the, he could even been priced up a little bit more. He'll probably get a little bit of ownership, but 
Um, you know, you, you still have Rory down there at 10-5. I mean, people people still like to play Rory, so he's a little bit cheaper. I like the decision there. Um, I think I just feel like it's still gonna it's gonna be fairly flat. There's no dude who's gonna get like uh, super insane ownership. I think you'll get really low ownership on Bryson. Um, but you know, you, you might have to look there. There might be a couple of guys in the 8K range that get up there, but. I like it. I mean, uh, I don't think it's going to lead to crazy, uh, like concentrated ownership where, you know, you either just got to eat the chalk or, or, or just fade uh, someone completely. So it looks good. It looks good to me at first glance too. So um, two questions then uh, built in one, if you had to pick, if you're making a lineup and you really would like to do a more balanced bill, cause you don't want to put in JT Poston and Richie Wierenski at 63, 6,100, Who's your one guy you'd put in right now after seeing uh, opening lineups one and two, who do you think is going to be the lowest owned? I'm sorry. We have, I keep saying um, uh, six uh, golfers here. My, my guess is Colin Morikawa comes in as the lowest owned because uh, sticker shock price a little bit there. I don't know that guys are ready to pay 10 K when they just got them below nine K at the PGA. It's a big jump coming up to the U S open here. And I know he's a major winner now, maybe a little unproven, my money's going to Maury Cowell being the lowest owned. And if I had to pick one guy, I think DJ is so motivated to win right now. It's it's pretty crazy. I know he's been on a good stretch. Xander just theoretically beat him at the Tour Championship. I don't see that happening again this week. So uh, roll with Dustin Johnson is my number one. And if I'm getting super aggressive, want to put a low-owned guy, I'm going to drift to Colin Morikawa. Might be an interesting stack with Johnson Morikawa this week. I'm going to go against you. I'm going to say uh, I would start off with John Rahm as my okay. number one. He is so consistent off the tee. Um, you know, he, he's gained over a stroke off the tee in every single PGA Tour start this year. It's insane. Um, so I'll, I'll go with John Rahm. I think the tougher course here really favors him as well. He's shown, like, just in a, just a crazy ability to get up and down in, in tough situations. Um, with DJ, you know, that's kind of what you worry about a little bit. Um, you know, the, the driver can get a little bit uh, spacey and then and, and the around the green game, the thing, the, the same thing with John Rahm. I don't really think you have to worry about that. You just got to worry about is he hitting his irons well enough and consistently enough. So I'll take John Rahm. I'll take the discount. Obviously, we're talking like thin, thin edges here, but um, this is our one lineup. Remember, too, it's not like we're going to say, hey, I'm not playing John Rahm or hey, I'm not playing DJ. Yeah, exactly. Our, if we had a one lineup and then, you know, the lowest on guy. And then the lowest owned, and we're just talking about the guys in the 10K, right? Yep, yep, yep. I think it's going to be Rory. I just don't feel like people trust Rory enough right now. Um, it, it's been so long. People want to play Shoffley. I think people will get there on Morikawa. So I'm going to say Rory will be the lowest owned. Bob Simpson won a U.S. Open a couple of years back. Actually, at a what I would call a comparable course, if I'm not mistaken, in Olympia Fields, I think it was called. I uh, hope I'm not mispronouncing that or missaying that. Pretty sure on my research, that's what it says. Um, 9,700, he kind of leads that 9,000 range. We've got Patrick Cantlay, who is not playing good golf. Certainly, you and I have chased quite a bit. We'll see if we're going to chase him again here this week. Danny Berger playing great golf. Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama in this next range. Uh, we talked about Fleetwood, who's kind of just below it. But of the guys I just mentioned, DeChambeau, Simpson, Cantlay, who's your first pick to complement a John Rahm picking if you're building a more balanced build? Yeah, this is – I mean, I don't have a clear, clear cut neither, winner yeah. right now. I mean, for me, it's it's almost got to be between Berger and Finau, though. Yeah. Um, I'm leaning Finau personally, right? Yeah, I, I think I kind of am, too. I, I want to really like Berger's chances here this week. I'm just not sure. It's not quite like 100% sold on him. I don't, I'm not sure if there's anything that should have me off him. 
he's actually been really, really good off the tee in 2020 as well. He's had like one bad week off the tee, and that's it. And I think it actually came as a tour championship. But um, th- there's really nothing that that should lead you to say like, oh, Daniel Berger's not good. I just think the course setup here favors Finau a little bit more. He's just got that power game. I think he's going to be able to chop it out of the rough a lot. Everyone's going to miss fairways here too, which I think helps a guy like Finau because he's just going to be so much longer down there. He's got the, pow- the power to, to, to chop it out. So I'm going to say Tony Finau as well. He might end up being the chalkiest up here. I don't really care. I don't think it'll be that bad either. So um, uh, it's going to be Finau for me as well. Yeah, 144 golfers certainly okay to play a couple of uh, chalkier plays because, in a sense, chalkier plays on, in a field like this uh, is likely only going to be 20% max instead of a 30% max. So your opportunity to still make a unique lineup, even playing the chalk, is relatively high. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. Next thing I want to bring up, want to get your take on before we move on to these lower 8K and higher 7K range, uh, and then a couple of darts, is we've been dealing with top 65 in ties, and it has been extremely tilting to get through the cut. It's made the 6 of 6 percentage like 2% each week. I think last week it was even lower than that. Yeah, it's a hundred dollar buy in this week, 23,000 entries, and it's a top 60 in tie rule, so it's even more, you know, carnage there. I is see there a chance? That. Is there a chance, or what, I should say, what chance do you think a person has to win the hundred dollar millionaire maker with a five of six this week? <laughs> it's in play, it's 100% in play. So too. Yep, toughest U.S. Open possibly of the last 20 years. Uh, I think there's a good chance of that. Um, you know, you, you're going to have guys like losing, possibly losing DK points on the weekend. Uh, definitely for showdown slates. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, no. definitely for showdown slates. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, if you get five guys through and, and, and they're in good finishing positions and maybe you get like a, a crazy event happening with one of them, like an albatross or a hole in one. Yep. Absolutely. I know it is hundred percent in play. Five of five, five of sixes this week are going to look real good folks. Uh, after uh, after Saturday or after Friday's round, I almost guarantee it. Uh, if you get six of six through, um, you know you'll probably be live in most tournaments, assuming you have you know not like you know they're all T sixty or something. But um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, and with the smaller field uh, millionaire maker, yeah, I, I could see it. Uh, it's it hundred percent in play. And uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's gonna be crazy. I love the U.S. Open for for DFS too. So um, it's do. always I, fun. It's always fun for that reason. I think if there was one tournament where I want a really top-heavy prize and um, and there to also be a higher dollar buy-in than normal, it would be this tournament at this yeah. course. I think yeah. that you're definitely in play here with five of six, especially if you get all five in the top ten. I think it just creates a ton of carnage. I, I think that you're not going to have a week like last week where you have ten golfers score over 100 points, and if you don't have two of them in your lineup, you're totally screwed. This week, I'd be very surprised if anyone breaks 95 total and, DraftKings points. And I mean, it's, I know we bring up guys like Brandon Wu and like Rasmus and, and, and stuff like that, but I think these, I think one of those guys are maybe multiple of them are going to factor in this week. Like you're going to see crazy names like that, you know, just shoot one or two good rounds and, and they're going to be huge factors. I, I, I think you, you see it often in the US Open. I think you're going to see it this week. So, anyways, guys, hit that, hit the like button for us. Let's see if we can get over 50 for the, uh, you know, for the Rasmus and Brandon Wu calls here. Yeah, yeah. And we'll give you a few more here to, to bump up those likes as we go into the uh, 8 to 7,500 range. We'll even dip a little bit lower. As I'm going to throw at you a guy that I just haven't been able to click the button on. But 
with fairways being so imperative this week and his him putting like an absolute god, is Brendan Todd in play for you? He probably should be in play because um, he's been so good uh, around the greens and, and mainly just with the putter that um, I, I could see it. And again, we talk about, you know, we talk about the course. Um, you got to hit fairways, man. I mean, Brendan Todd is one thing he does. I mean, he hits fairways, right? So is he going to have holes where he gets absolutely squashed and he, you know, he hits the the rough and he goes like 240 and then he's got to chip out. Yeah, but he's got to chip out definitely well. Yep. But at the same time, he's not going to have, probably not going to have as many mistakes where, you know, he, he takes like five strokes around the green or like five putts, right? He's yep. going to have probably more, more one and two putts than, than the field as well. So you have to look at it from both angles. Yeah. I think Todd is definitely in play and, and realistically too, like you look at wing foot from 2006 I think I think he said Ogilvy did lead the field in, in driving distance. That's correct. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Jim Furyk's in contention. Paul Montgomery's not a big hitter. Mike Weir was like top twenty. Like yeah. as a DraftKings play, Brandon Todd. Brandon Todd, excuse me, absolutely in play for a top twenty here. I don't. I don't think he's got quite the, enough firepower to win, but no, to grind so. out a top twenty, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I he's in play for sure. Yeah, and, and the thing about Todd is if he misses the fairway, which we know are going to happen, there's not many more people that I would say, okay, we're going to miss the fairway. We're going to take a bogey here. He's the guy that I would put in the top 10 to save a bogey in a situation like that. Because of his short game, he chips, he chips it back on the fairway. He'll put it 40 feet away, and he'll two-putt from 40 feet where other golfers will miss the green, then end up making a six from there instead of a five. And that double is going to obviously guys matter. Like and, guys like him and Webb Simpson are so self-aware too. Like they know they're short hitters. So when they get in trouble, they're just like, okay, I'll, I'll rely on my short game, get myself in a good position. They don't do hero stuff, which you don't want to do at the U.S. Open. So, One of the guys that I was kind of excited about to play, and, and maybe it's good that he's not playing or, or what, because uh, I thought he was really trending coming off of a top 10 to the PGA Championship. He is a withdrawal due to COVID-19, positive tested. It, it is Scotty Scheffler. I guess we don't really have to talk much about him, but how about his replacement, Brandon Grace? We've seen this guy even pop up at U.S. Opens back in Chambers Bay. We saw him shoot the uh, major record tying low at the British Open, or I shouldn't say British, I'm sorry, the Open Championship. Um, what do you make of his replacement? And sad to see Scotty Scheffler not be able to play this week. Yeah, it is too bad for Scotty Scheffler. I mean, um, just looking like he's really getting, he was getting some confidence. Um, probably would have been a factor here. I assume he would have been a, actually a really popular DFS pick. Yeah, um, at 8,200, yep. Yeah, and Grayson, actually, I talked with, with Ben on, on the Live Before Lock show last week about Grayson that ball striking's been fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just really, he just had some really terrible weeks around the uh, around the greens and stuff like that, and, and on the greens mainly, that, uh, that had really held him back from, like, uh, missing the cut and stuff like that, so... I, I'm, I could definitely get back on Brandon Grace. Brandon Grace um, I mean, T29 last week. Uh, looks like the ball striking is staying pretty pure. So um, if, if he can just get the putter rolling a bit. And, and I, it really does feel like, I know I mentioned it about, you know, Wolf and, and, and I worry about the putting, but I really feel like the tougher greens do kind of neutralize some of the, the advantage that really good putters have because, you know, the putting is hard for everyone, right? So um it could help Brendan Grace. He, he's putted well in U.S. Opens before, too. So I, I, I definitely think that, you know, he's not in the DraftKings pool yet. He'll get at it, though. I virtually guarantee it. Um, he's, but he's in the tournament now. So um, he's in the tournament, right? Like, he, he replaced. 
Yeah, he re- he replaced Scheffler. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to confirm. Okay, that's yeah. who he was replacing. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I you know he, he'll be like one of those one percent owned plays because most people don't even you know they don't even know he's in the tournament yet. So. Yeah, a couple of other guys I wanted to talk about in the seven K range, uh, and then we'll get up out of here since I think we've given some of our six K. I'll, I'll mention one more guy. I will say we saw break out of his terrible ball striking uh, streak last week. And the guy that I love to lose some money on uh, every now and again, Andrew Putnam, he's 6,200, you know, $400 cheaper than Brendan Wu. And he's a guy that is a good putter, made some cuts, uh, made at least one cut in the U.S. Open. Uh, but 7K range, we got Gary Woodland, defending champ, has not been playing well, but he's now a major champion. So I think we have to consider him at 7,800, um, right around there. Louis Oostasen, Shane Lowry, Abraham Anser, Paul Casey, Kevin Kisner, and a guy who I will not be playing as part of my core for the first time in a long time, Jordan Spieth. Um, those are just seven guys that I just wrote down quickly. Any of those jump out at you. I Hopefully you don't say Spieth because, you know, I everyone's going to miss fairways this week. Yeah, I know that. Um, maybe that yeah. does mean he gets through the cut. I do think he's going to make the cut. Anyways, um, anybody else? He probably will make the cut. Uh, but probably top know, 10. What, he, what he's going to do after that, like, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speculate. It probably won't be pretty. Yeah. Um, it definitely won't be pretty. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I get the idea of going to Woodland. Um, I do, but I I just feel like th- this range a little bit too stacked with uh, other players who've been showing good form. I, I like Lowry and Usti as like good cash game plays. I mean, um, both both. I mean, Usti makes like every cut in every major. I'm sure now that I've said that, really does. But uh, he he just performs and he's played well. Like off the tee's been good. Uh, around the green, he, he's just a skilled player. The putting's been, you know, a little bit hot or cold, but solid enough. Lowry probably maybe a bit less of like a, a cash game play, but I still feel like, you know, the tough conditions, a guy like Shane Lowry, T to green's been really good. He's made the last three cuts in majors. Um, Upside-wise, you know, probably Paul, K- I don't really love Paul Casey for the U.S. Open, but he has been hitting it, and he's been killing it off the tee. I, I would say Wolf might have the best upside here. I mean, we talked about him being boomer bust. So, um, like I said, I definitely don't mind it for DFS. A little bit wary of it just because the young player thing. But, uh, you know, that, that's kind of my personal bias. I, I don't mind going back to Sergio. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, I really don't. Well, like, if it's ball striking, if he hits every fairway like he yeah. did last week, the putting won't matter because he won't yeah. need to make the putts for birdie. He'll just need to tap in for par, and he could be the Absolutely. leader, to be honest with you. It's really, really true. Like, uh, I might even consider Sergio for some kind of outright bet. Uh, I really do feel like um, the way he's been killing it off the tee and tee to green, really going to help out here. So he'll be in my player pool. I, I virtually guarantee it. Um, yeah, here's one there. that the nappy factor hasn't really kind of hit for him yet either. You know, I, I know it's been a couple of years now since Azalea has been born, um, but it didn't really hit in. Maybe it's a little late for that uh, to come. I, always, um, you know, I, was, I was always on the train that Sergio, once he got that first major, he, he would get another at some point. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe not – the putter has really held him back, but it just could get, it could all get neutralized this week on these greens. That, that's how insane the greens are going to be in my opinion. So really interesting week. I, I think if you're going to target uh, any type of player like down that people are a little bit down on or in the odds, just really emphasize the, the incredible ball strikers because um, who, I don't know who's going to put well on these greens. I don't think anybody does. So. Yeah, it's it's very unlikely that. Well, I gotta be honest, I'm really looking forward to this week. Uh, I know it's a little different because we've never had a major during NFL season, but still yeah. plenty of good uh, prizes to play for across the industry, um, and uh, of course uh, on the betting side as well. We're gonna have tons of content coming out, including PGA DFS Strategy Show with Tim and Ben tomorrow afternoon, and then of course Ben and I live on the YouTube channel right here, live before lock, eight thirty on Wednesday night. We are going to have a six. 
50, 7 o'clock, somewhere in that range, start on Thursday. So make sure you get your lineups in. Make sure it doesn't have Scotty Scheffler in there as well. But, Jeff, lastly, I think it's going to be John Rahm that you're about to say, but who's going to win the tournament? Yeah, I'll, I mean, my big call is Patrick Reed, perhaps okay. coming through. Yep. But the, the, the guy from the top I, I would take is 100% John Rahm here. But I, I'll be ballsy and say Patrick Reed gets a second major. I, I really do like this this the way this is going to set up for him. Uh, I, I think he's just, you know, again, one of the best uh, players around and on the greens and stuff like that and, and just sets up so well for an event like this. So I'll say Patrick Reed. But again, you know, um, asking me from like the top eight players in the world. Yeah, I, I would take John Rahm this week. Well, I'm going to send you guys off uh, with if you're not an awesome plus member, eight ninety five for the week. Come join us. Uh, that's going to get you all of the U.S. Open content behind the glass, the top golfers tool. So if you're just coming and want to make a couple of lineups, that top golfers tool is really going to help you do that. Of course, the ownership projections, some of the best in the industry. And of course, mine and Ben's premium articles that give you our entire player pool and our picks for the week. So come join us, 895 uh, for the week, the U.S. Open. And we will be back. We've still got a full slate of golf after this, all the way up through the Masters maybe we get about two weeks off after that so still two months of full golf and this is where you know after this week maybe the fields go a little bit weaker a great time to come in and get a leg up on the rest of the field playing because sometimes they just don't do the research needed to find the guys that'll win so come out and join us on the osmo plus side Uh, until next time everybody uh thank you for coming by and again dustin johnson is going to be backing up the brink struck and we'll throw it in brooks kepka's face on Sunday evening. So I look forward to that. Until next time, everybody, thank you. And we will see you on the other side. Cheers.